Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Camera, action! Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd can talk through film. I'm sorry, take it outside. Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd will come out of the gods. Let's action. This is Real Nerds Podcast. Every week we see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week it's the 29th entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thor, Love and Thunder. This yep. week I'm joined with Bodacious Brad. What up? And Cunning Corinne. Hello, everybody. Corinne, you're back after just being at the end of the show for like a month and a half. Mm, life gets you sometimes. It does. Wow, like your life. Your previous episode was The Northman, I think. Yep, sounds right. I Back mean, to be April. honest, like, there's just haven't been like a ton of movies that have come out that I'm like, oh man, I really just gotta see that. So, well, I guess you're not a real nerd then because we see a movie every week and podcast our experience to the world. I didn't go to the movie theater for the entire month of June. Really? Yeah, it was actually kind of nice. Yeah. Well, you, don't, you have a problem with movie theaters? No, it's just nice to have a break every now and again. Yeah, my break is the movie theater. <laughs> Me too. I went three times in the same day yesterday. Did you really? Wow. That's awesome. Well, one same theater twice, but yeah. I, I what movie? I saw two movies a couple months ago or a month ago. Too what movies did I see? I think I saw Lightyear with my kid, and then I went back and watched. Darn it, I can't remember now, but I did, and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the mine and the Esquire have Thor and Top Gun, so I was like, that is so weird, and I got to do it. So yeah, I, I saw Thor at the mine, and then went and saw Top Gun and the Esquire, and. Uh, it ended right before the uh, late night there, so I just watched American Psycho while I was there. Nice. Uh, my favorite scene in American Psycho is when they're comparing business cards. Yeah. And it's brilliant. <laughs> Since we don't have a, what we've been watching anymore, I'll just say that like, as I was sitting there, I was going like, man, every time I watch this movie, it feels different. Like, when it yeah, came out, it- yeah, when it came out, um, me and my friend Roger were watching it, we expected like a you know Friday 13th slasher movie, and it wasn't that. And then, like, in college, I was like, oh, okay, I get the 80s satire, uh, the 80s excess thing. And then, yeah, last night, I just felt like like that scene was so funny, and the crowd was laughing hysterically about it. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies that requires repeated viewings, because it's it's bizarre. It, you know, my, uh, my friend Brandon <laughs> loves that movie. Oh, yeah. I and, return some videotapes. Yeah, that's, our, that's our, our go-to, one of our go-to movie quotes. I need to return some videotapes. <laughs> I also followed like the uh, Paul Allen murder plot more closely this time. Like mm-hmm. I was actually like able to remember people's names and uh, like this time around, I could, I could see uh, Bateman's like plot to frame him. Mm. Whereas before I just been watching as like this guy who's losing his mind and just doing random stuff, but it's not random yeah. at all. He's yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. It sounds like a movie Corinne would really enjoy. <laughs> I've actually never seen it. No, yeah, you probably never will. <laughs> yeah, it's, I was being facetious. I, I, I don't know if it's a type of movie you would enjoy at all. Probably not, but it, it does have Christian Bale in it, and I like it. That does, movie. and he's really great in it. But <laughs> it's, it's super one, mean to women. Yeah, mm. and it's it, you have to know that it's a satire on that culture in the eighties, mm. and. I, I don't know. It's it, people like it's one of those movies people love or they hate it. There's really no in between with that film. There's a whole scene um, where they're just sitting around a table talking about how dumb women are. 
Yep. Well, maybe I'll have to add it to the Catching the Classics roster someday. Yes, you know, someday when you want to watch a dude run naked with a chainsaw, I mean, that's that's in your alley. Or, you know, if you want to see him um, having sex with women and flexing in the mirror and looking at himself instead of paying attention to the women he's having sex with, right up your alley. (laughs) Okay, maybe not then. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if I had to pick a movie that I would say you would not probably not want to watch, it'd definitely be American Psycho. <laughs> yeah, I did hear more good. I listened to your guys' episode about the Black Phone, and I heard some things from other people. So I might watch it one day when it is on streaming. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it sounds intriguing. It's a good movie. It's fun to know that it's set in Denver. Yeah, it, and like I was, I was telling uh, Brad our uh, text messaging we were having and how I slept on it. And I said, she's like, maybe you shouldn't see this movie. <laughs> I thought about it more. I'm just desensitized to violence because, you know, it makes movies better. Um, it's set in Denver in script, but not in production. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, I mean, it's pretty. It's not that bad, Brad. They do nice establishing shots of downtown Denver. They do. <laughs> and the license plates. Actually, you know, I should have checked to see if the skyline matched what the skyline would have been in like 1970, whatever it was. Yeah. Did they give you a specific year? I guess we'd have to uh, freeze the frame when his dad's reading the Rocky Mountain News. I'm sure there's a date on there somewhere. Yeah, I think there's like, I think it was the 70s, like late 70s. Yeah, maybe the children's wanted uh, missing posters uh, have something too. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I saw. Like, I don't think the typewriter building is that old, right? No. Oh no, I think it is actually. It's super iconic because it used to be on um, the Denver Nuggets uniforms in the eighties and the seventies. Uh, their old uh, rainbow skyline uniforms. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's way less buildings back then. So yeah, that'd be interesting to compare that image to see if they got it right or not. Yeah. So, like I said, stay tuned. We're going to tell you if we recommend uh, Thor Love and Thunder. We'll tell you about Hollywood's continued comeback with some box office numbers and the big movie news story of the week. Corinne, do you recommend Thor Love and Thunder? I would say if you like Thor Ragnarok, you're probably going to enjoy Thor Love and Thunder. It has a very similar feel a lot of similar humor. I had a good time with it, although I don't think it stuck with me as long as I would have figured because I was pretty hyped about this movie. And I saw it Thursday um, with my friend Jerry and wanted to revisit it, but then just got busy with other stuff. And yeah, haven't really thought about it too much since I saw it, but I do want to see it again. So there's that. But generally, yes, I would recommend it. Brad? Hang on a sec. This Beyond Burger is so good. I, I can't even tell the difference. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the movie. Um, it definitely leans into the Thor Ragnarok comedy part of it a lot more um, than Ragnarok did. Um, but uh, like I was really hyped for the glam metal ex- aspect of it. And I don't think it other than like the opening and closing credits, I don't think it really went far enough there. Uh, and I don't think the story was that interesting, but it's still a fun time. So definitely recommend it. Yeah, I, I, I recommend it as well. It's almost as good as Ragnarok, but it's not quite there. Um, but it did have a lot of surreal moments in it that I'll talk about in the spoilers. That I, when uh, Takawai Titi uh, talked about, I can't believe they let me make this film. There's parts in this movie that I can't believe is in a Marvel movie because it's just bizarre humor. Um, but uh, here's the, the dope trailer for Thor, Love and Thunder. These hands were once used for battle. Now they're but humble tools for peace. I need to figure out exactly who I am.
own path. Live in the moment. My superheroing days are over. So if you remember at the end of Avengers Endgame, Thor gets on uh, the uh, Milan with the Guardians of the Galaxy and they're going around uh, the, the galaxy and saving planets and stuff. And um, it leans into this that the Guardians, I don't know if this is from Thor's point of view, if it's actually happening this way, but the Guardians seem overwhelmed and they need Thor to come in and save the day by just unleashing his you know, godly powers, um, which he does. But and he's he kind does, of bored by himself. Yeah, exactly. And he does uh, these, the sweet Van Damme split on these two, like, spaceships, and he's holding them with his legs. Um, it, it's just really silly. Um, the Guardians are out of the movie pretty quickly. Yeah, that was and, a for me. I, I kind of thought it'd, yeah. they'd have more time together. You know, yeah, and it's, That felt a little weird. I would have figured... Well, I knew they weren't going to be in the movie a ton, but they were in it so little. It was almost like, why have them in there at all? You could have just started the movie. You could just be like, oh, yeah, Thor had to leave the Guardians and then just he's off doing whatever already. No, I mean, I push back on that. I mean, I think you have to have a little bit of resolution with them because he left with them at the end of Endgame and he had to find his new family because, you know, um, he felt that he needed to explore and uh, new Asgard was in the capable hands of Valkyrie. Um, and so it was just fun. <laughs> and uh, so he leaves uh, with his trusty sidekick with him, um, Korg, and uh, they go on another adventure. <laughs> and classic Thor adventure, classic Thor adventure. And, um, along the way, we learned that Jane Foster is has been diagnosed with cancer, stage four, and she decides to, uh, after reading Asgardian mythology, she Where decides where did this come that, from? Um, I, I don't know. Maybe Thor gave them to her. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the, the sound design may seem like they just dropped on her desk like out of nowhere, like Milner summoned them or something. Oh, maybe. I mean, she did say that she felt Mjolnir was calling to her. So maybe that was part of it. Because he also, the, the part where they do like the rom-com sitcom thing with Jane and Thor, yeah. he does he does say that, you know, protect her and it makes the little Asgardian symbol on the, the hammer. Yeah. Um. So she goes to New Asgard and it heals her and she becomes the mighty Thor. And um what I, I love this moment because um you know thor gets milner back or he thinks he does and stormbreaker is jealous of milner and there's some great panning shots of uh like my favorite one was thor was on one side of the screen and stormbreaker slowly like came into frame because <laughs> He was trying to get Milner. <laughs> it's just so weird. I love how um, and, uh, and brilliant Taika's uh, like anthropomorphized the uh, the hammer and Stormbreaker <laughs> like uh, yeah. uh, Doctor Strange's cape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, even um, though it, it didn't make sense because I'm like, <laughs> like I, I've never <laughs> seen Milner like exhibit a personality prior to this movie, but <laughs> I know I lo- but it's, it's fine. so fun. Yeah, yeah, because it's just out there. Um, you know, I guess I forgot to mention that the movie actually opens a long prologue with uh, Gore, the God Butcher, um, 
and his daughter who die and he finds uh the god that he prays to and he finds that the god is arrogant and he doesn't care that his worshipers die and he gets a necro sword and kills them and decides he's going to go around the whole universe and kill a bunch of gods and yeah. i thought i mean i think christian bell's pretty great in the film um i think he's great but like i, I felt like the movie didn't pursue that uh like idea strong enough um mm. like i don't think thor really reckons with it as well like the only time he confronts it is when he's up against zeus he's like you know what you guys are kind of shitty um, yeah but other than that, it's it really comes down to like, oh, we we just have to stop Gore from, um, you know, killing all the gods. But I think Gore has a legitimate uh, crusade against them because oh, for sure, I, they're clearly I think arrogant. I think that's what makes him like all villains. If they're going to be compelling. Is you you have to somewhat agree with their um. Their motivation. You know, their motivation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah, that introduces like, you know, in the Marvel Universe, there's this God realm with it, which includes the Celestials. They're in the, uh, what is it? Infinity place? Um, it was yeah. like Omnipotent City. Omnipotent City, yeah. Um, and, you know, they're not out to save the universe. They're out to just kick back and um, yeah, I don't know. It, it just feels like where were these people when Thanos, you know, snapped, you know? Yeah. Um, it's almost like they're okay with just being worshipped and, it, you know. Yeah, it seems like everyone should be joining in, in Gore's crusade. Like, I don't know why anyone should stop them. Yeah, no, it's, well, I, yeah, I mean, I guess the real reason is because he ends up kidding a, kidnapping Asgardian children. Yeah, but... that, that's not cool, but yeah. But other than that, yeah, which he didn't really need to hang on to much after he got Stormbreaker. So it's interesting yeah. they took him to the portal. But um, yeah, it's, I just also you know, at the end of the movie, they introduce, uh, you know, they show us there's Valhalla. So all the mm-hmm. characters we've lost, like, I mean, Odin's probably there in addition yeah. to Heimdall and, um, and uh, uh, what's her? Loki might you know, be. Yeah, he didn't dissolve after. Uh, Thanos crushes neck though, so that's interesting. But I guess he's not a god; he's a he's a frost giant. Well, yeah, Heimdall and, and... didn't disappear into dust either. So. That's true. Yeah, the, I think the movie says something like they have to die in battle because that's the whole joke with Lady Sif is like, well, maybe your arm is in Valhalla. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Heimdall did die in battle, didn't he? He did. Odin didn't. Oh, but Loki did. So. I, I'm not sure. I think it might just be a. It, it could be just a tag scene to be like, "Hey, like you know, Jane ended up in the good place." I've been rewatching the good place, so uh, Jane ended up, you know, somewhere. So it's like it leaves open the door for her to come back, but it also just could be a nice closing, you know, a bookend to her story. I'm just like, hey, she made it to Valhalla with Heimdall and maybe other people, but not going to pick it up anymore from there. Yeah, that's kind of like my problem. A little bit of my problem with this new phase is like it makes the rules inconsistent and confusing. Because like, if there's a Valhalla, like maybe Tony Stark is somewhere and can be resurrected. You know, like I have seen people online theorizing that that it. I mean, if anybody dies in battle, and Tony would be one of them. Yeah, like especially if you have to fight alongside. Yeah, I mean, maybe you just have to fight along the Asgardians because Jane wasn't an Asgardian either. But if there's like well, gods too, for all civilizations, like there there must be like a human god, you know. Well, realm. I, I think Jane disintegrates like that because she doesn't die like on Earth or anything. She dies in, I guess, the infinity or whatever they want to call that place. The eternity realm. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's confusing and, and inconsistent. I'm just, yeah. I just don't know. Like I said, even like Korg found his god up in uh, Omnipotent City, like so there must be a human version of that somewhere too. Like, mm. yeah. So now, yeah, now we can. It just feels like there's no stakes, you know. If, if there's characters aren't well, really gone. Well, I mean, they never said that they can come back, though. <laughs> I mean, I mean you, you could. It's might... comics. You could write it that way, but still, it's like, yeah, yeah it's interesting to show it because it doesn't feel like it's gone when you yeah. do that. Um, 
Anyway, continue on with the story. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, I mean, that's pretty much the story. Yeah. Um, Gore needs Stormbreaker so he can bring his daughter back to life. And well, that's not his first idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. At least they think that he's going to try to kill or I mean, he's going to try to kill the gods by getting to the gates of eternity first. He's basically going to do his own Thanos snap of just gods. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Thor incepts him with, uh, hey, instead of that, why not just bring back your daughter? And then Gore's like, why didn't I think of that? Well, I think part of that is like because by so they break the necro sword and then he opens the gates of eternity and he goes in and talks to or makes his wish. So I wonder if, you know, while he was still under the influence of the necro sword, he was planning to kill all the gods. But since he the necro sword was destroyed and he was kind of free of its curse, like obviously still, you know, a very troubled person, but you know, then he was like, no, I'm, I'm more like, it's more important that I get my daughter back, even if I can't live. Yeah. He probably like reconnected with his humanity as that was mm-hmm. happening. So a little more th- able to think a little more rationally. Um, another thing I noticed is like, I think the compositing was very good. Uh, yeah. There were a lot of shots that looked really weird. Yeah. Especially like uh, Axel's floating face. Like, yeah, I don't know. That was like 90s style <laughs> sci-fi channel. Is it just me? No, there was like the the shot when Thor first meets Jane and it's like super obvious that it's green screened of just, you know, like him with that weird helmet on and like everything else in the background just looks really fake. Yeah, there were definitely a, a lot of shots that was like, Mm, that's super obviously green screen. Yeah, especially since like in Ragnarok, they established that like, and they do this in the movie for Thor, like when he's summoned, he can just full body be in the cage with everyone. But wouldn't the reverse of that just be like Axel could be on Earth to project himself? So it's interesting they portrayed that with a floating head instead. But... Well, he doesn't have all of his powers yet, or he's still getting used to his powers. Yeah. I don't know. Aesthetically, I think it would have played better. Um, yeah. And then, like, uh, when they fall into uh, Gore's trap on his, like, little uh, grayscale moon thing, when they're all trapped in the, the tentacles, there's, like, some fuzzy edges on the cutout. Yeah, the, so I was like, huh. The black and white fight was really cool. Yeah. I was actually sad that it wasn't longer. I figured that was going to be the final battle of the movie, but it made sense once the rest of it plays out. I was like, okay, I like that better. Uh, Thor giving his power to the Asgardian children felt like a very Shazam moment. Oh, yeah. You know, gotta create the family. Yeah, straight out of that. I didn't think of that. (laughs) I don't even like Shazam. (laughs) I love how he just under his breath is like for a limited time. (laughs) <laughs> of course the, yeah. the laser eye beam teddy bear was perfect <laughs> yeah and also the screaming goats was great uh, yeah loved hearing that over and over and over again <laughs> eh, i got kind of annoyed with it but i mean it was funny initially but it, yeah, kinda, was, it was a joke that went on a little too long uh it was great when they crashed into the that moon or whatever though yep <laughs> And then, of course, the movie ends with Thor adopting Gore's daughter. That was kind of cool. Like, he's basically taking on the role that his dad did of adopting his enemy's kid. Yeah. That's pretty good. Although, it's interesting. Uh, I guess all Disney uh, <laughs> movies are going to have a legacy character uh, saving kids. So, that's that's the only script they got anymore. Yep, Lone Wolf and Cub is a very popular trope right now. Yep. We're suckers for single dads. Yeah, because it's the love and the thunder, baby. Which I wonder if if that was what Jane whispered to him. Because she says something like about like, oh, like this could be my new catchphrase or something. And she whispers it. And so I wondered if that's what it was. Something about love and thunder. Oh, maybe. 
Yeah, I guess we never really got the uh, catchphrase, did we? No. It is fun seeing Natalie Portman back and having fun, for sure. And she also, you know, got moments of left uh, acting with, um, you know, her dying and everything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah she, go see she it. Definitely had to pull off like that interesting dichotomy of, you know, powerful godlike figure and person dying of cancer. Poor gal. Yep. I mean, if the first half of the movie felt really weirdly paced, like just some of the things didn't land quite right, or it took some things took too long, other things felt too short. But I really feel like once they get to Omnipotent City, that was that was a really good sequence, and then I liked, like I said, the black and white fight, and then everything that happens after that is really well done. And I found out later that there is a four-hour cut of this movie, and that <laughs> makes a lot more sense to me. I want to see the rest of that. And me too. Uh, uh, sorry. It's not going to happen. Taco Waititi said, director cuts are awful and no one should see it. What a letdown. Uh, back to the graphics thing, too. Uh, since I saw it twice, uh, the first time I wasn't sure, but the second time I confirmed it. In Omnipotent City, when he's uh, like going back and forth with Zeus about his uh, thunderbolt. Zeus throws it back up on that like plate behind him on his chair to like store it, mm-hmm. and then uh, like it cuts away to Thor or something or maybe a uh, Valkyrie or whatever. And then Zeus goes back up to the platform and it's gone. I noticed <laughs> that too. Uh, it, right, and then like a shot later, he turns out and grabs it and throws it and kills or sort of kills Korg with it. And yeah, I was like. This whole thing about like Marvel being overworked might be pretty legit. Yeah, there was a lot of special effects in this movie that did not look very good. And I, yeah, Marvel is, they were putting out so much stuff. I feel so bad for all the animators that have to work with them. Yeah. Or they choose to. I've heard that there are people who specifically opt out of working on Marvel projects because of this kind of bullshit. Yeah. It's like you could definitely lighten the load by doing more practical stuff, but okay, everything's got to be digital. Yeah, there's one point where uh, uh, Jane's helmet wasn't sitting right on her head. Um, so that felt unfinished too. But anyway, mm. Ryan, you're pretty quiet. Well, yeah, I mean, I was waiting till you just kept going, so I'm not going to interrupt. Well, well we got to talk about. Continue, Your Majesty. <laughs> Well, we have to talk about the post-credit or the mid-credit scene. Oh yeah, you know who's coming to the MCU? (laughs) Roy Kent. Roy Kent. He's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. Roy Kent. Roy Kent. Yeah, I've already seen a lot of pushback on that on Twitter, so that's great. Yeah, pushback. People don't want Roy Kent as Hercules. No, because he's not comic book accurate enough or not big enough like you should be Schwarzenegger oh, big I know it's so annoying that's why I don't go on Twitter because people like you know Corinne spoil movies and then all it is is a bunch of people that just hate which I learned um, at Denver Fan Expo because there's a guy up there talking about hey how, how do I have a YouTube channel and it says you have to create you know controversy so I mean, his his number one article was 10 weapons I hate. <laughs> I just can't do it. I, Low I, know fruit. I know I know we'd be way more popular if I said uh, five characters who the MCU nailed and five who missed the mark. I just can't do it because I think it's stupid and I think it's or um, like on Slash Film. There's the ones like uh, all evidence point to Henry Cavill is actually a really terrible dude. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I just can't do it. Garbage. I'm never going to do something like that. And because I I like movies too much and I just enjoy the ride, you know? Yeah. That's what I do. This this is all make-believe. There's no no reason to get so... Yeah, and about a dude who's not ripped enough, who's already pretty ripped playing Hercules. (laughs) Who fucking cares? He looks bigger than Kevin Sorbo. I'm just saying. I don't know. (laughs) 
I mean, The Rock's too busy with all of his other stuff. I mean, he's kind of the perfect Hercules, so. He has played Hercules before. I know. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, but he's, you know, freaking Black Adam. It's okay. I mean, the Mm -hmm. costume was comic comic accurate, so. And he's not that cool of a character. See, people should just chill. (laughs) My personal opinion of the comic book Hercules. It'd be interesting to see if it's not just like a, you know, a left on the floor cutscene, like uh, when Mordo's like, I'm going to kill all the magicians. And then mm-hmm. here we are like six years later. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see um, at Comic-Con what Marvel says or D23, because I mean, I'm enjoying the movies of Phase 4. I mean, Spider-Man's incredible, but it doesn't seem like they're advancing yeah. the plot. It just feels or, like they're spinning their wheels. Yeah, because like I, I was no... reading that Quantum Mania is the last of the Phase Four movies, or the first of Phase Five. So, I guess Phase Four movies is just reestablishing new characters and cementing, you know, Spider Man, Doctor Strange, and Thor as legacy characters. Most, it's mostly been stuff dealing with the multiverse, and I felt like. If anything, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness really advanced the whole incursion storyline. I mean, everybody I know is talking about how they're setting up secret wars. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's going to be a show on Disney Plus. So, Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Uh, they didn't know. I mean, you know, before those movies came out, Benedict Cumberbatch and Chris Hemsworth says, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do any more movies. And both the end of their movies that you know doctor strange will return and thor will return so it doesn't mean they'll have their own standalone movies though they could just appear in other projects oh yeah no i know that but i mean they also said that they didn't know if they're going to do you know the films anymore so Mm -hmm. i'm sure they're not contractually they can't say anything until the film comes out but um you know we'll see i'll be there we're going to check out the box office numbers now of Thor Love and Thunder Dude, my thunder was spot on yeah nailed it Thank you. Finally, fuck. I was waiting for someone to give was, me a. I was just. I was. I was watching the uh, Twitch feed, just seeing if uh, that unpopular opinion is going to show up. It. It might be a joke. Cool. I give so, it like uh, a C minus, Ryan. It was passable. Well, hey, if it's passing, hey, C's to get degrees. <laughs> um, uh, Thor continues. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder continues Thor's ascension. <laughs> um, it's the highest opening for a Thor movie at $143 million. Um, Honestly, with inflation, what does that even mean anymore? I mean, it's still I feel like main. every weekend is the biggest opening weekend. It's like, well, no shit. Tickets are like 40 bucks now. Um, You're paying well, no. for tickets? Where, where are you? Yeah. Well, I meant, was, you know, well, you know, if you go into IMAX, you go into an evening show, you, or you go to the 4DX or whatever. I mean, it's still made $143 million. It doesn't matter how much tickets are. I'm just saying, with inflation, that what does that mean, though? It made $143 million? It means <laughs> I don't know what you're asking me. <laughs> the the uh, Gone with the Wind is still a billion-dollar movie. Yep. And so you're saying attendance is down just because tickets are more. It doesn't mean more people are seeing the movie because... Like everything, Corinne likes to be super negative. So no, I'm it. just saying, like, like if you com- if you adjusted for inflation to say like 2008, would it have made more than Iron Man or The Dark Knight in that year? Probably not. Um, I'm gonna know, what find the, out. What did the What did the Dark Knight open to, up to? I don't even remember. It's opening. I think it's like 1:30. Uh, Russell says he's, he's uh, pretending to be Kevin Feige, and he says it's big D number. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> right um big dick energy but i mean the big news too is minions the rise of grew uh made 45 million 47 million dollars in its second weekend 45 um 
So that's now over 200 million. I'm part of that. Um, <laughs> Did I ever tell you guys how I saw a trailer for that movie like four years ago? Oh, I'm sure you did. It's, I think it was supposed to come out in 2020. Right. Like Jerry and I were walking around Colorado Mills and you know how they have like that, uh, I forget what it's called, but basically they'll pay you if you do surveys and stuff. Yeah. Test. You're like a test subject or whatever. Like, anyway, I just remember they showed me a trailer for Minions, the Rise of Gru. This was either 2018 or 2019. And they were like, it's probably going to come out Super Bowl Sunday. And then I never saw it. And so now it's like, oh, finally, this movie I saw a trailer for like four years ago, <laughs> finally in theaters. Yep. I saw, <laughs> I, did, I did one of those, the mummy, uh, the dragon's tomb. And after I watched it, they said, are you going to see this movie? I said, yeah, only because I see a movie all the time. And mm-hmm. they asked me, what's the biggest reason of seeing it? I said, I don't know. Jet Li's in it. <laughs> um, but yeah. I just remember the trailer had like Jaws music playing. I don't even remember what the context was. Hmm. Uh, it was kind of a funny trailer, but I don't think I ever saw it in their marketing. Yeah, I mean, the movie is okay. I mean, it's. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, maybe I'll see it when it's like streaming or something. Cause yeah, I'm sure, it'll, I'm sure it'll be on Peacock soon enough. Um, Probably. Uh, but the, also the big story is, is Top Gun Maverick made $15.5 million in its seventh weekend, which is the first non-James Cameron movie to do that. So hmm. it, uh, it I continues. I still haven't to... seen it again. I need to go see it again. I was part of that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I saw it at the Esquire this weekend. Uh, Dark Sages chimed in. I know that may be jaded as a hardcore comic book fan to say, but that is something I think is very that is valid to say when you grow up with something for decades, you have an idea of what you're looking for. I think it's attached to the unpopular opinion comment. Yeah. I mean, it is always hard. Um, I think if you love something and you have expectations going in, what I tell everybody is I'll always love Spider-Man no matter what. So no matter what they do to Spider-Man, I'll always find something that I enjoy about it. And no, no matter how not good the film is or whatever the case may be, I'll, I'll always love it because I just love Spider-Man that much. So I'm able to put aside my differences for, um, you know, that they might change a character. They might not be as comic accurate. And I mean, I felt the same way about Mortal Kombat. I, I like the stuff, so I'll always find redeeming qualities in it. I've lived with so many different incarnations of Batman at this point. It's like, I have no expectations going forward. Like, yeah, I mean, I've, that's fair. I've, I've gotten something I've liked in, in multiple incarnations. So, um, yeah. And I feel the same way about Spider-Man. I, I mean, when you think about it, when he debuted in 2016 in uh civil war, there is a Spider-Man movie every year until like COVID. Yeah. There was, Civil War, Homecoming, Infinity War, Far Into the Spider Verse, uh, Far From Home, Endgame, Far From Home, and um, then COVID, and then No Way Home. So I am very lucky to be a Spider Man fan. But I mean, I'm sure the next Batman movie, Brad, will be the darkest version of Batman there ever has been. <laughs> it's that meme where they have screenshots of each of the Batman films and they just keep getting like actually like brightness level darker and darker to where yeah. the last frame is just black space. The darkest Batman ever. You can't see anything. Yeah. Literally. So yeah. So, uh, update to my earlier question. Um, adjusted for inflation, Thor's $148 million opening weekend would have been more than Iron Man. But not, but would not have been more than The Dark Knight. Well, that's right. In 2008. Iron Man was kind of in the shadow of The Dark Knight that year. I think right. Iron Man made $108 million or something. Yeah, that's right. God, I, I remember weird shit. And then Danny um, Jr.'s like, yeah, they won this how- round, but we're going to win the war. And they did. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, do you know how much The Dark Knight made opening weekend? 
No, I don't remember, but I want to say Brad mentioned, I think it is like 130. Mm-mm, more. 130, oh, 152. I'm seeing 158. Oh, 58. Which would right. be 207 million in today's money. Nice. Yep. Still not as much as Spider-Man No Way Home. So Spider-Man wins. Yay. And hey, and that's a look at Hollywood's comeback, which is, I think, full blown on now. I mean, all the movies are making money. Even stuff like Elvis that, you know, is kind of hanging around is over $90 million. So, yeah, we're halfway through this year and they've already made as much money as they did last year. So. So we're getting there, guys. We're getting there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you also have a bunch of movies releasing this year that were supposed to release last year or two years ago that are finally coming out. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. But I mean, but there was a time think, when they were doing eleven billion a year, and now we're up to like four or five. So, and, and think, guys, we haven't even seen Avatar yet. <laughs> oh no! Does anybody actually want to see that film? No. I I. And for a movie that made so much money, I've never heard it, you know, revered like, you know, Star Wars, The Force Awakens or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) Everyone says, I I, I don't know. I I think it just Avatar came at the right time when the 3D craze was like ignited. And I don't know. I I have I've never bought the Blu-ray, but my dad gave me his copy of the like Ultimate Edition Blu-ray. So maybe I'll watch it for the first time in 13 years and i remember seeing it on cable maybe 10 years ago and it's it's not bad no it's not a bad movie but it's i don't think it's that great it i definitely remember it being like super immersive in the theater but it also gave me like a splitting headache (laughs) watching 3d shit for two and a half hours or whatever but yeah it's like one of those movies that you can kind of pick it up halfway through and you're like okay yeah that's fine something to have on while you're folding laundry or whatever russell uh seconds your uh delay of the movies boosting this year's numbers corinne yep yeah i mean they're gonna have to catch up eventually i mean i think we still have wakanda forever going too so mm-hmm. oh, that's the, yeah, i was trying to remember what the, the last one for this year was and that's it yeah and uh, yeah i mean i don't know when we're gonna get a trip maybe San Diego Comic-Con in next week. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's not like a ton el- like a big stuff coming out this summer. No, that's definitely. The, like, I was, nope. I think it's probably the biggest thing that's left, but I yeah. think a lot of big movies are coming out in the fall. Yeah, I read an article on Variety and they were saying, I mean, it made a lot of money, Thor did, but Disney's banking on it having the long legs because it's the last real tent pole of the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is weird. I mean, it's only July. Early yeah. July. Yeah, we were looking ahead for what we're going to program and uh, August and September are pretty empty for like, you know, the stuff we're automatically predisposed to like. So we're going we're gonna to be digging. We're going to be propping up film explosions left and right <laughs> to get through the I fall. I don't know. It seemed like so many movies came out in like may through early mid-june i guess i don't understand why when they just leave these giant gaps it's like why not spread your movies out a little bit more i mean there'll be stuff coming out it's the indie stuff that we have to you know roll the dice on more yeah and that's fine it happens every year i think uh is it where the crawdads sing is supposed to come out next week and that looks really good i'm excited for that movie yeah, it's already out at the film center. Oh, okay. And this is the big news story this week. It's real news. It seems like every news story, a big one, is some beloved actor passed away. And this week, uh, James Kahn passed away. Kahn! <laughs> at 82 um favorite james con film hmm you can look on imdb i i won't judge you 
Yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. So was he in Godfather or something? Yeah, that was my go-to, but I I want to dig deeper. I want to say thief, but I don't like that movie. Um, <laughs> Russell says Elf. Oh uh, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, uh, Bottle Rocket. Yeah, there you go. I I love him in Misery. I think he is fantastic in that film, and I think that uh, movie is a really great movie. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, 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 oh, it's really good. Yeah, I mean, pop culture is pretty much. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you me. let me let me rephrase that. You've seen it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those films that has so many iconic scenes in it that you will be watching and you go, "Oh, I know how this is going to play out." And, um, yeah, he's also in an Adam Sandler movie. I think that's kind of underrated called Bulletproof. Also, um, that's my boy. Guy. Yeah, he's a bad guy in that. Uh, oh. He's a Dick Tracy. Some deep cuts. I like me some Dick Tracy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's uh, obviously in a lot of films. And yeah, The Godfather is his most popular one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, just a, another classic um, accomplished actor. And you know it's it's a it's a good life when you've made it as long as he have and is in many films as he was in. Yeah, and television, plenty of television yeah. appearances too. Yeah, he's in Family Guy. <laughs> yeah, dude worked a lot. Was he, was he in The Sopranos? I don't think so, but I thought I, never I saw something it. about one of The Sopranos actor died. Yeah, maybe Paul, the- Polly Walnuts died. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen Sopranos on his IMDb, but definitely played a lot of mobster stuff. Yep. He had that tough guy persona with the cool voice, you know? And that's why he was so good in Elf, where he's kind of playing against type. Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. Greetings, this is Brad from the future. I'm recording this in next week's episode because I haven't put out last week's episode yet. So you're going to get next week's information in a previous episode and then reiterated in the current week's episode. So check this out. This week at the Esquire, the late night is The Empire Strikes Back. Last week, it was A New Hope, but I was out of town at Troma Dance and didn't get the episode up, so you wouldn't have known that. But now, you know that this week is The Empire Strikes Back, and next week will be Return of the Jedi. They are the special editions, and you can watch those at 10 p.m. at the Esquire. Also, in September, Tommy Wiseau is coming back in person to screen The Room for everybody on Friday, September 16th and September 17th. Um, Tickets are $20 for those. But it is worth it to see Tommy Wiseau in person introducing his film, The Room. So go to landmarktheaters.com slash Denver to buy those tickets. And at the drive-in, the Holiday Twin double feature on screen one is Minions and Jurassic World Dominion. And screen two is Thorn Love and Thunder and Top Gun Maverick. And of course... The 88 Drive-In is screening Minions and Jurassic World Dominion through Thursday, July 21st. So uh, it may change tomorrow. I don't know. I don't think it will. Um, But yeah, Uh, don't forget to buy uh, one of their new t-shirts that I designed uh, if you go there. So that's what's going on around town. Hello, Real Nerds listeners. Welcome to my segment of the show. You know, the one where I get to talk about anything that I want. Well, why are you going to listen to my voice? That sounds stupid. You've listened to my voice several times talking about The Nice Guys being the seventh best film of 2016, which it still is, guys. I'm sorry. But um, why don't we go ahead and change it up a little bit by bringing in another voice, probably a better voice, maybe even a sexier voice. Who knows? Um, Maybe a voice that can offer some hope for aspiring filmmakers out there who wish to make their own dreams come true. 
we have a gentleman today who was able to make his own dreams come true. Starting off his life in Wyoming and the Black Hills of South Dakota, he went on to attend Colorado Film School to study writing and directing, where he then moved through various departments, eventually finding himself in the art department on several commercials and feature films. He worked his way up the ladder for a production designer on features and television properties before finally getting the chance to tell his own story. It's in the form of a film called Blackwood, which is coming to Colorado, along with other locations in the coming months and the coming weeks, sorry, the coming weeks. Dang, if you're in Colorado and you want to check it out on July 22nd, it's going to be here. But before we get to all of that, we want to meet the person who brought us the movie Blackwood. So I'm pleased to welcome for this little segment of the show, the one and only Chris Canfield. Yay! Yeah, nice to yeah, meet you, man. <laughs> we don't have canned applause. We have actual applause. They're coming from me, damn it. Um, yeah, man. I, I clap alone sometimes. This is, this is a good occasion right now. <laughs> I, do, I do all too, too many things alone. Now, <laughs> um, now welcome, Chris. Now, um, you, you, it's been a while since we've talked, but um, as far back as I can remember at CFS, you were a gentleman who... Uh, was very it was very detail oriented and it makes all the sense in the world that one of the first things you did was move into art direction and the, and production design but I, I so I'd like to for you to give people like kind of a capsule form of your origin story like how did the who is the Chris Canfield man and how did he become the Chris <laughs> Canfield man <laughs> Ooh, nice. Okay. Uh, I mean a lot of hard work so uh, I went to film school Colorado Film School. Um, doing my own projects out of film school. I, you know, discovered really fast that I didn't have the ways to, to make my own feature. I went for writing and directing, but I didn't have the ways to make my own feature. I didn't know the right people, but I still wanted to stay busy within the industry. So I started getting some art department jobs and fell into that and worked my way up uh, to production designer. Um, I actually forget how many movies I've designed. I've over about 10, I think, I've designed over the years. Um, but during that whole time, I just wanted to – I still wanted to direct. and I still wanted to write. There was still that passion in me. And finally, it just came a time where I was just like, I got to do it. I got I to gotta, I gotta put my head down, focus on what I, what I want to do, and put it out there. And uh, to try to get this movie sold, you know, that, was, that wasn't an easy task either. It wasn't just overnight, you know. I had to mm-hmm. really push and get it out there. And, you know, there's just a lot of steps leading up to it. And <clears throat> to, to get to this point, it's a lot of, a lot of hard work and a lot of luck. <laughs> well, and it's not just in – what's funny, we were talking about production design in that, in your journey. But, like, in film school, I, I remember distinctly, you, you worked several departments, as you should, because you've got yeah. to learn the different – various aspects of production. Because if you don't, you're not going to understand or even empathize with the different people on the crew who may need part of your expertise to assist their part of the vision. And if you don't understand, like, the sound department, you don't know whether or not it's going to – there might be a piece of production design that interferes with their ability to do their job. Except, like, it's helpful to know, and it's clear that you have always kind of had that, 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 that attention to what everybody else needs around you. And within that is a question, though. Like, when you moved into production design, did it – did it feel like you were stepping back or did you take it as a chance to learn a craft rather than just taking it as like, well, I'm not directing. So what does it matter? You know, <laughs> no, I understand. Uh, I actually took it more as like uh, another learning experience because mm-hmm. I mean, that's your kind of goal as soon as you get done with school is to use what you know and try to try to apply it to your future. Um, it wasn't exactly what I was looking for, but I was still within the, I felt like I was still working within the industry and then as I worked my way up to production designer, I felt like I was still um, being part of that creative decision, mm-hmm. being in that world, understanding who these characters are, um, having to make the sets, make the wardrobe, make you know, the certain props pertain to the story that is trying to be told. Um, and, and I feel like from that, it even kind of deepened more into that. But yeah, working, going back to what you're saying, working on other stuff, I feel like if you want to direct, you mean you're technically the captain of the ship, so you mm-hmm. kind of... Sh- a little bit 
about, um, you know, what each department kind of does, expectations, the realism of what can be done with, you know, certain money, time, situation, everything like that. And, and I feel like, yeah, it was very helpful to, to dabble in all that. Now, I didn't, you know, it's not like you have to master each one unless you want to, if you have the time to, but, the, but, but as long as you can do some of it, do some of the work, understand the functions of the machine and how it, how it turns and everything like that, you can carry that on and have more of an understanding on how to kind of run your own ship, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's, it's no different than it's a Star Trek captain knows how the, knows to a certain degree, how the engines work to assist the engineer. <laughs> in his job. Um, so like, I mean like, yeah, Kirk knows exactly what Scotty's talking about to a point. Um, but, um, but so let's talk about, so you've, you've, you've moved through production design. You've, you've worked on films such as war pigs, the last Sun, and now we bring it, it brings us to Blackwood. Um, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about Blackwood because this, the plot for people who don't know, as described here, as described here, is is very interesting. It's one that involves Native American and Native American uh, tradition, and specifically the Wendigo. And I want to know where this came from. Where did this idea come from for you? <laughs> well, luckily, I'd love to tell you on this one. So basically, Blackwood. I, back when I was trying to make just something. I just wanted to make something. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter how much money it was going to cost. It could cost me $5. I just wanted to prove that I could make something. So when this came about, I had one image in my head and that image was of an outhouse in the middle of the woods Mm. alone with a burnt house next to it. But on the outhouse, there were all these scratch marks and claw marks and the door is just slightly open. And and uh, and there and there you see this toilet that's kind of widened and everything like that. That is where this origin <laughs> this movie was. Like I was originally thinking, like uh, uh, like a uh, <laughs> can I cuss on this show? I don't no, know go get please. I don't oh. give a fuck. Right, right. No, I was originally going to call this movie Shit House, and it was like about, <laughs> a, about like a shit monster at the bottom of the of the toilet because I was like. I can probably do that for fifty bucks, and, <laughs> and uh, but then I started. Then I started thinking of the outline and everything like that. And I'm like, even though I love those types of movies and everything, I was like, is it? Is this what I really want to do for my first one? So I, I took it back a little bit, and then I did some research, um, did a little bit more. And I realized I kind of want to make this a western because I, you know, I, I live in an area where. The getting the Western clothes, getting the horses, the period correct stuff. I was in an area that I had access to all that, and, the, um, and, and, like, and that aesthetic is inbre- ingrained in the places that you grew up in too. So you have a you have a you have a, a, a an intuition about it. Absolutely, and that's the thing is like this is kind of a sur- surrealistic movie, um, but growing up in that in that ranch lifestyle, I wanted to keep it authentic for the Western side. So the saddles that are in there, those are period correct saddles. Uh, the wardrobe that's in there, period correct wardrobe. The guns, the boots are all period correct uh, stuff. And then, you know, some of the language that we have in there is a little bit period correct as well. But mm-hmm. we still wanted to keep it grounded in reality as much as we could. And then, but, you know, have a little fun with it as well. Yeah. Um, and, and you're dealing in, you're dealing in here with it, within this story was something I find interesting is that it, it's it's surrounding an indigenous woman who's escaping, who's trying to evade this, this gang. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, like when when you're trying to create this horror Western aesthetic and whatnot, how important is a character to you in that respect? Because this is like you don't see a lot of films dealing with an indigenous woman, let alone indigenous people at all. And I'm curious how how you took an approach to that in trying to whether to be thoughtful or to take a new angle on it. Uh, I wanted to be thoughtful. So uh, the latter half of my teens, I grew up in uh, South Dakota and, uh, you know, you're kind of surrounded by that culture mm-hmm. that's up here and I've been kind of immersed into that. And I wanted to give, uh, I felt like I wanted to give a, a, a another platform for uh, for them to kind of, you know, be able to speak, be able to, you know, be be more than a lot of Hollywood movies are now, even though when you watch a trailer, you might, you might think that it's that, but it's not. Um, so the characters themselves... I wanted to make more than just a creature feature. I, I wanted to have people 
uh, dive into these characters because these characters have more depth than than what is shown in the trailer. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of interaction between the two. And I wanted to stay true to that. There's even uh, going off of this, there's even uh, the the main woman, Doan Howie, she uh, there's Lakota in there. We speak Lakota. Um, We speak Crow in this movie. So we wanted to we wanted to make sure we could bring all this together character wise. We didn't want to just, you know, do like the newest prey and everybody speaks English and stuff. We wanted to try to make it more authentic, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's an attempt to create a realistic world set amid this creature feature, which, you know, has precedence that has far exceeded the expectations of most people who, like Guillermo del Toro has made a living off of this. So, you know, it, it gives you, it gives you a, a base a base platform to work off of so um I, i've got two things here before we uh tell more people about where they can see this the first one is like out of all the things you were able to do on the film what has to be the standout like this was the moment where you were like this is why i made this movie i'm so excited i made this movie like was there that one moment on set that just lit that spark for you um, there was a lot, you know, what? there's a lot of good moments on set. Everybody came together, like the crew. I mean, everybody just worked their butts off to, to bring together this story. Honestly, my, my favorite moments, I guarantee is probably going to be coming up here in, on July 22nd. The reason to make this movie is for everybody like you to, to see it and maybe take something away from it. I'm, I'm super stoked to finally have it come out. It's been a, we shot it right before COVID COVID hit. Oh. And then we were, we were grounded for almost a year and having to pick it back up and having the ability to, to have Saban entertainment, pick it up. And it's been, it's been, it's, it's awesome. It's been fantastic. It's a, it's a fantastic way to emerge out of a pandemic, to have something that you nurtured and cared for, like just before everything hit to have it finally see the light of day. I I'm so happy for you, sir, on this. Thank you, man. I'm excited to show you. And for those who are wondering, um, about this screening that's coming up in Denver, I'm going to tell you, it's at the Northfield 18, the Harkins theater. I'm assuming at that, it's a nice coming back to full circle for the CFS. Absolutely, man. That's a, that's the CFS, uh, the the stand where everything happens there. Um, so you can check it out on July twenty second uh, at Northfield at the Northfield Harkins eighteen. You'll also be able to check out the film at the Lumiere Music Hall in L.A., the Ravina Seven in Cleveland, the Screenland Armoire in Kansas City. Arizona Mills 25, Chandler Fashion Center 20, Gateway Pavilions 18, Prescott Valley 14, Superstition Springs 25, Flagstaff 16, all in the Phoenix area, Elks Theater in Rapid City, South Dakota, and the State Theater in Sioux Falls, and last but not least, the Bricktown 16 in Oklahoma City. Um, Chris, where else are going to people be able to see this? It's not just theaters, because they will be able to catch this elsewhere, too. Absolutely. Uh, so July 26, uh, it'll come out on uh, digital platforms. Um, I can list through them real quick. Uh, yeah. We have, well, for cable, we have Xfinity, we have DirecTV, we have AT&T, uh, we have Cox, we have Charter, Verizon, Frontier, which I'm assuming is Frontier Airlines, maybe? Well, I, mean, I, I mean, those the animals <laughs> on the side of the planes are going to be rather scared. <laughs> um, and then for the, uh, for the digital side, we got Apple TV, we got iTunes, we got Prime Video, we got Voodoo, we got YouTube Movies, Google Play, Microsoft Movies, and then Redbox On Demand is what we have. And then uh, six months after the release of this one, we will be hopefully fingers crossed releasing internationally so we're working really working really hard to get that done right now so fantastic and before we go what's next for what's next after blackwood what's coming next oh that's scary man and there's a few few in the pipeline there's a few in the pipeline one of them uh, is a ghost story that takes place at early 1900s boarding school but then on the flip side it's like a a snowplow crew that has to take on a a a yeti you know (laughs) what what? <laughs> I feel like we were, I feel like we were just building up to the moment where you just where you just mentioned Yeti. There's a dearth of Yeti movies out there. It's uh, it's called uh, it's called Plowed, and uh, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun so far to kind of put that together. You know, so we'll see, we'll see. I have a, I, there's a few, so that way there's a choice for anybody who wants to read them. Fantastic. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, please, 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 please. 
Check out the link in the description or just listen to the sound of my voice here. Theblackwoodmovie.com. Check out the trailer. Check it out in the theaters in your area or stay tuned on July 26th for it to release on digital and on your cable providers. Thank you again, Chris, for coming and sitting down with me for a little bit. And Thank as, you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. And as for the rest of the show, I don't know, guys. I enjoyed Thor Love and Thunder. It was fine. It's a Marvel movie. I I knew exactly what would happen. Um, But uh, I will take it over back to Brad and Ryan, who I'm sure will be telling you what we're going to be watching next week. Uh, Next week on Real Nerds, we're seeing Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Um, Looks like a cute little... Oh, we should see where the crawdads sing. We're seeing Marcel the Shell with shoes on. As someone who's already seen it, I I really hope you guys, yeah, see Marcel. I did see a trailer for it, and it looks cute, so I'm not opposed to seeing it. Maybe we could do a double feature? Uh, yeah, I'm looking up where Crawdads is at. I don't know. Is it it's supposed to open. It's a, like a wide release on Friday. We'll see what the theater says. <laughs> I mean, it's playing at Regal on Friday, so I don't know. Regal's for peasants. We go to the Alamo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> as I, well, as, as my peasant, unused but... Regal pass sits around. Um, mm. Yeah, they don't have... Alamo doesn't seem to have it. Yeah, well, Alamo doesn't really have anything on Friday yet. Yeah, and I was wrong. It's not at the Sea Film Center. So, but I don't know if I, I'm excited about uh, just watching a, a murder mystery in the in the Bayou. Now, if the Crawdads actually sing like Marcel the Shell <laughs> sings, I'm in. Put a googly eye on a Crawdad, <laughs> and I am there opening day. <laughs> so yeah, so our film of the week is going to be Marcel the Shell with shoes on. <laughs> Um, we'll 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 see about where the crawdads sing. I mean, you can always bring in double features. We're just joking yeah. around. Yeah, of course. I brought in Mad God that week, and then we ended up seeing Mad God like officially two weeks later. So, and then just uh, just a heads up: there's a chance that Film Explosion will be July 29th. A chance. Ooh, Film Explosion 2002. Yep, because we still have to do two more. <laughs> well, one more retro, and then you know the year end one, and we only have like four more months. So, yep, gosh, years flying by as usual. Yeah, we're already yep. halfway over. So yeah, so look for us to possibly do two movies next week, and. We'll see you at the movies. Bye. Bye. Well, a real nerd knows who shot a real nerd. Can follow the plot and a real nerd. Look at all the gods. Lights, camera, action. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bologna for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.